in association with the Agri Health Network, it's time for That Farm Life podcast, Planting Hope, Harvesting Strength. On That Farm Life, we talk about that life that is that of a farmer and their family. It's about the day-to-day grind, the good times, the tough times, and everything in between, because farming is more than a job, it's a way of life. And we're here to offer opportunities to help you deal with the stress and strains of farm life through faith, family, and community with other farmers. Now, here's your host, a farmer, a former agri-business owner, and also the pastor of a Southern Baptist church in Arkansas, Archie Mason. Well, hey, folks, this is Archie Mason, your host of That Farm Life Podcast. Hey, thank you again for joining us for another episode uh, today. Hey, as always, check us out at agrihealth.net. we got a lot of resources there on the website. If you like our podcast, we always encourage you to subscribe, pass it on. We we do have listeners. This podcast continues to grow. Listeners in every state, over 30 countries. It is uh, unbelievable to me. How I was just visiting with our, our guest today. It's unbelievable me how this thing has grown, and it's all because of you, uh, the friendship with the podcast, your partnering with the podcast, and sharing it with your friends. So please continue to do that. I have a, a friend, a, a businessman, a farmer, Blake Cox, is with us today. And so, Blake, thank you for being here. Well, you're welcome. Thank you for inviting me. Hey, the folks uh, out here listening, they may not know who you are. Tell us where you're located. Uh, tell us you know, a little bit about yourself, what you do. Okay, sure. My name is Blake Cox. Uh, I'm the third generation in the Cox Implement Company here in Hoxie, Arkansas. My grandfather started this on my dad's side back in 1956. Uh, up until that time, my dad had uh, two siblings, a sister that was older, Mary Stone, brother named Jerry Cox, and my dad's J.R. Cox. All three of them worked here at the Implement Company. Uh, Jerry retired in, uh, I guess you would say, 2021 at the old age of 82, 83. <laughs> uh, Mary, my aunt, she's still working here. She comes in every morning on the walker, but she still comes to work every day. And uh, my son has been here for the last six years. He's the fourth generation coming up in it. Uh, my nephew, Caleb Cox, he works over at our Jonesboro store. We, so we have a we have the main stores here in Hoxie. We basically do lawn equipment out of uh, Jonesboro, and we also have Cox implement up at Highland. We do tractors, lawn equipment, Kawasaki. So we kind of spread out, kind of busy. Kind of I like to tell myself I'm a logistics manager. It takes a lot to move stuff around when. So and so sold something in Highland, and it's at Jonesboro, so it's got to get from Jonesboro to Highland. And yeah, sometimes it's a big mess. Hey, well, tell us about you know, cause y'all handle a lot of different type of equipment. What type of brands? Uh, what's the brand of equipment that uh, we're maybe- primarily uh, what you'd call a CUE dealer for Agco, which is Fancy Ferguson. That'd be like a hundred and fifty horsepower down. I tell people it's uh, pay equipment and down. So we do, we'll do the mid-frame tractors, do a lot of uh, small compact tractors. We sell J&M grain carts. Uh, on the lawn and garden side, we are uh, Bad Boy, Ferris, Altos, Snapper, and Xmark. We just took on Xmark 
couple of years ago. But we've got those, <clears throat> all those brands at all three stores. So we stay pretty busy. Hey, yeah. So Kawasaki, so y'all selling, is it motorcycles? Is it side-by-sides? Or? No, mostly <clears throat> we've got the full line in Kawasaki, but probably 90% of the business up in that part of the world and around, you know, side-by-sides are the big deal. You'll sell 10 side-by-sides for every one four-wheeler. People, believe it or not, people still buy four-wheelers, but uh, most of it's all side-by-sides. Gotcha. So what what got your grandparents or your family? So Matthew coming up fourth generation, how did, what got them in the equipment business? How did they get started? You know, all I can remember, my my grandfather and one other gentleman here in Lawrence County supposedly had the first rice crop in Lawrence County in 1933. And I can remember being a kid in 10, 11, 12 years old. My grandpa picked me up. He let me drive him drive the truck as long as I didn't tell mom. I could drive up 34. We'd go up to Noble, spend the day picking up chunks, doing that sort of thing. So that's kind of where I learned to drive. And I can remember driving around and he'd say, you know, look over there. He said, I bought that farm for a dollar. I bought that farm for 75 cents. I can plain as day remember one time asking him. He, he drove past this 40 and he said, yeah, I bought that for a dollar. I said, Papaw, I said, if all this ground up here is a dollar, you know, how come you didn't buy the whole world? <laughs> he looked at me and he said, son, I didn't have a dollar. <laughs> you know, and back then, and there was there was one particular farm at Peach Orchard. Uh, I remember him telling me that it had come up for sale. And uh, he went up there to look at it. The guy was uh, plowing corn, horse, and two-bottle plow. And the guy was having to sell it. Couple hundred bucks to pay taxes, or whatever. My grandpa and him got to talking. They shook hands, and one of them had an ink pen, and the other one had a corn shuck. Papa signed an IOU on the corn shuck, and they shook hands, and it was a done deal. Wow. I, I don't think we don't have any deals like that anymore. Do no, we? no, we don't have any deals like that. Anymore. Of course, you know, back then, too, they would, uh, they might buy the 40 in the summertime. They cut timber all winter, and that's how they paid for it. Well, it's just it's just a different time, and he had the foresight. You know, back then all this ground was cotton. They could kind of see the rice coming, so they started putting in rice. You know, hopefully realizing that it was going to be king in this part of the area someday. And sure enough, it was. So you now tell us again. You said you thought the first rice crop was what year? Maybe in that 1933 is what I've been told. Wow. Wow. You know, and, uh, a, a man named, uh, I think it was Bill Little, Mr. Little, out here on 91. So is your family, have y'all continued to, to farm, you know, most of your life? Have y'all been involved in the farming industry? Yeah, well, we actually did some math the other day in the uh, – a lot of uh, polo freeze going out of business here in Water Ridge. Uh, since polo freeze went out of business, uh, we got to doing some math. We're the oldest. We're the oldest business in Lawrence County so far. I think that's right. We're the oldest business in Lawrence County, and we're the oldest continuous farm family. Wow. Well, I tell you what, your family's got a great legacy and pretty well. How did they end up in Lawrence County? Do you know that? How'd they get there? 
No, I don't know that. I know my grandfather, he came from the Powhatan area. I don't know exactly how they wound up down this way. Um, I do know the first track of land they bought was just south of our location. Uh, they bought a 40, and I remember them talking about clearing it with uh, mules and ropes. You know, they put the pulley in a tree. They cut a big circle for however, <clears throat> whatever diameter that rope would reach. And they'd drag it all to the center and burn it. I remember my mamma talking about uh, having dirt floors in the house, bring the chickens in at night and put them in the rafters. <laughs> let, them, let them stay the night doing that. And then when they actually bought this place, uh, there was another building back behind us by the railroad tracks. It was a blacksmith shop. And uh, he did plows, horseshoes, and that sort of thing. And I believe at the time he was doing uh, case plows. So my grandfather bought bought the business from him, and we were, we were cased for a long time. Okay. Okay. And then... Then kind of moved. We've moved three buildings. We've moved three buildings on the same piece of property ever since. So they were, they were, uh, we were a case dealer and a massive dealer for years. And when, uh, across town, there was an international dealer. So whenever international came along and bought case, big wig, supposedly the story goes, they come to town to identify Looking at the looking at the businesses, well, the international building was new, and I believe they had one computer. And our building was a little older, and we were still doing stuff with microfiche. Yeah, and that stuff on the microfiche cards. Well, the big wigs decided that they were more uh, organized and had more technology than what we did, so they got the Case IH business, which took Case away from us, which left us primary massive. Gotcha. Hey, tell us about Agrico. Agrico is a big company, isn't it? Yes, Agco is a big company. Agco has uh, several things under their umbrella. They are uh, Nancy Ferguson, Fent, uh, Wilmar, Ty. They've got uh, the name of the grain bin systems, but they're also big in the, uh, the poultry industry. I can't remember what the name of it is exactly, but the uh, all the automatic feeding systems, watering systems like that, that all these chicken houses around here have, all that is owned by Agco. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, there are several, several multi-billion dollar businesses. Wow. Yeah, I knew that was a big company. Uh, they continue to kind of continue to expand. So, yeah. hey, so what do you think? I say, what's primarily grown? So, like I said, we got people in all... States listening to us, you're uh, located here in Arkansas. What's the primary crops there are around your uh, around here? Mostly, it, mostly it's rice and soybeans. That's the, that's the biggest percentage. You do find there was some wheat this year. Wheat prices were a little up. It's kind of an oddball. You don't see much wheat until you get over around, say, Porsche over on the river. Yeah, uh, there is quite a bit of corn this year. Corn prices are up. The acreage of corn fluctuates with the price. You know, we'll have we'll have three or four hundred acres of corn on our family farm one year, and we may not have any corn for another three or four. Gotcha. It just kind of all depends on the prices. Yeah, gotcha. Uh, so let me ask you this then: How do you 
as far as you guys, so you, you know, you got your farming, you got equipment, you got all this stuff going on. How do you deal with the stress and strain of all this stuff? So, hey, look, I know you're in the customer business, so that means you got to deal with people. <laughs> and they're yeah. not, they're not always uh, easy to I deal got with. These hay guys texting me like it's four in the morning, pouring <laughs> crap for their hay baler. I'm like, what are you doing, man? Why are you Why are you up at four in the morning? <laughs> well, you probably could pay me back by texting me about midnight or something, but because uh, <laughs> I wouldn't be up. Uh, yeah, yeah. So how do you deal with? I mean, look, you know, because. Sometimes customer business, when you're out there on a farm, kind of doing your own thing, maybe you don't see people or whatever, but in the, you know, they're at the equipment place. How do you, how do you handle all that? Yeah, it's, it's totally different. I grew up. So, so the way this kind of all worked out, uh, my dad, JR, and his older brother, Jerry, they were all primarily at the implement company, you know, their whole adult life. Mary, Married a man named Emmett Stone. He ran the he ran the farm side. They only had one child. His name was Ray Stone. Emmett has since passed away. So Ray is basically like our farm manager. He runs the farm. So Ray's at the farm. Me and my son Matthew are here at Emmett Stone. So it's kind of like any other family business. Half of the farming enterprise is you know, the family farm. Ray and our Ray and I are partners. We farm. We've got our own acres, but then it's kind of all done. It. Planting's done at one lump time. Harvest is done at one lump time. It just just kind of divided all out at the end, you know, basically. So, like this time of year, uh, you know, this time of year when it's rice water, you know, I go to the fields in the morning before I come to work, and I'm starting wells, setting spills, turning wells off, that sort of thing. In the evenings, when I get done here at the implement company, it's back to the farm, you know, checking rice wells, doing whatever. Uh, planting season's kind of the same way. I'll you know, get off work here, go to the farm, make drive tractor at nine, ten o'clock at night. Just everybody, everybody's everywhere. Uh, if we've got two or three big major things that happens up here and the farm might be kind of slow, some of those guys come up here and help, you know, every once in a while. To, Take the heat off of us, so it's a it's a big family community effort, but uh, it somehow seems to work out. But <laughs> as far good. as the stress goes, yes, it's different. You know, when you're out there on the farm, most of the time you're by yourself, other than your stupid cell phone ringing nonstop. <laughs> a lot of times uh, that gets it very aggravating. But I have learned over the years. I've been here 27 years now. At the at the implement company, dealing with people, uh, I think it's getting worse. People are with the advent of the cell phone and text messaging. People want instant answers. You know, with Google, they want instant answers. Uh, I can't tell you how many times uh, I'll be on the be on the landline for the implement company and talking in my cell phone. You know, somebody tries to beep in on the on the implement landline. Then I'm not answering it because I'm on the phone, and my cell phone starts going off, and it's the same person. They may call back to back two to three times and then send a text <laughs> message. And I finally get off the phone, and I've gotten to where a lot of times I'll call back, like, dude, are you on fire? 
my tractor. Texting anymore. I'm done. <laughs> I'm gonna get me a window. I'm gonna wait till you get in from the rice field and you're yeah, off. I'm gonna yeah. get like nine to four. I'm gonna have to stay in there. Hey, if it's not if it's not you, it's somebody else, so don't yeah, feel bad. Don't feel bad about it. Okay. Yeah. So I mean you kind of let it roll off. I know you work out. Don't you work out a lot? Don't you try to yeah, uh, we try to stay go to the gym every day? I'm a I'm a big advocate of going to the gym. Uh and there's something about Throwing some iron around and working up a sweat and just forget about the day. You know, that's all you're concentrating on. You know, I tell people all the time, me, the gym is the only thing available that you get out what you put in. It's it's back to back. It's one for one. Whatever you put in is what you're going to get out. And I mean, it's a it's a stress reliever. Makes you feel better. You you release these endorphins. Yeah, it helps your mood, your mind, just your spirituality. You know, it's just it's just you, and that's it. And I think that makes a huge difference in people's people's health. So you got some uh, farmers out there that are listening to you. They're probably saying, "Man, uh, I don't. I'm not feeling good. You know, I'm riding a tractor all the time, or I got all this stress." I mean, would you? I, I'm asking a question I think I, I know the answer to, but you would probably encourage to say, look, man, you're going to have to, you know, get, to, I'm not going to ask you how old you are, but you're going to have, you know, you might want to tell those guys, look, and ladies too. So, man, you got to get some exercise. You know, there's a lot of stress and strain now that's going well, on. I'm 52 and I've had seven back shots. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I've been down that road of pain pills, pain patches, going to physical therapy, just feeling like crap all the time, certain all the time, it's absolutely miserable. I've been down that road. And probably about five years ago, uh, Ray and I started uh, doing CrossFit. I joined basically because of peer pressure. He joined because he, <laughs> he, he, want, he joined because he wanted to get in shape to go to Montana and go elk hunting. Yeah. And then, of course, I got shamed into it. And I'm like, well, you can do it, I can do it better. So that's how kind of all this started. And then he and I both, especially me in particular, I started realizing as I got into this, you know, I didn't hurt near as much. My back felt better. Just overall felt better. I mean, you feel like crap while you're doing it. You're exhausted and tired. But at the end of the day, it, it has a positive effect. I read somewhere yesterday they came out with a study that said exercise, uh, daily regular exercise, is thirty three percent better for you in battling depression. What medication? Oh wow, wow! That you know, yeah, I believe that. I think I believe and that. It's David. hard. I mean, when you're working eighty hours a week, man, it's hard to do it. Uh, we we go to the gym every day at five thirty in the morning. You know, that's before wife gets up, kids gets up, business gets rolling. Yes, is it a pain in the butt to get up at 5.30 every morning when you're not going to bed? You know, when you're literally working all day, quit at 8, and you got to be in bed by 8.30, 9 o'clock, and that's, that's showering and eating supper and 
doing business, playing with the kids and talking to the wife, yes, it's hard. But you, after a while, you get used to it. You adjust to it. You just got to get it in when you can. And if you wait, you tell yourself, man, there's no way I'm getting up at 530 in the morning to go do this. You say, well, I'm going to try to do it at lunch or I'll do it after work. It never gets Yeah. So it's helped your back these last five years? Oh, yes. Yes. 100%. How did you, was that something, I mean, is it kind of a genetic deal on your back or did you hurt it? Yeah, it's kind of a genetic deal. A lot of it's, a lot of it's genetic. A lot of it was lifestyle. Uh, I was always a lot stronger than I was smart. <laughs> you know, the, the lifestyle part was farming. Yeah. You know, we had a, there was a tire laid on the ground and it needed to be in the back of the truck. Somebody would say, well, I'll go get the forklift. I don't need a forklift. on the ground. He'd throw it in there. You know how it is. You go pick up, you go to hook up to a trailer. You got a jack right there, but what do you do? You straddle it and you pick it up and let him back up and drop the pin. It's just stuff like that all the time. So it just took its toll over the years. And yeah, stuff. it just yeah. took its toll, yeah. Uh, hey, uh, Blake, if someone wanted to get in touch with the company, uh, you got a website or an email? that? Yeah, we are uh, coximplement.com. And within that website, you can text us, you can email us, you can fill out credit apps, you can look at all of our new equipment, used equipment, so forth. Um, it's a full-blown interactive website. Okay, good deal. Blake, thanks for being with us today, man. Hey, you're welcome. I appreciate it. Well, hey, folks, again, thank you for joining us today. We'll have the website address will be in the show notes. So if you didn't catch that, again, Cox Implement. Uh, you can Google and find out. But again, we'll put the show notes. Uh, Blake's a great guy, has a great family heritage legacy. Uh, their family's been around here for a long time. And so they would do a good job of taking care of you guys, whether you're local or whether you're somewhere else. And maybe you heard he mentioned something that interests you. Uh, maybe even in regard to staying fit. I mean, he he told us his age, 52. If you, you can't see him, but he's what I call a big old boy that you would want on your side if something bad is happening. So, you know, you that stress and strain and depression uh, is right. And I think all of us would agree today, we're not as active as maybe our, you know, our grandparents were years ago. And so that does lead to a lot of discouragement. We probably don't eat well. Uh, I like those triple cheeseburgers I get from a local uh, place. And sometimes that's not very healthy when you're eating on the tractor, but, you know, got to stay fit. Uh, and uh, do that because uh, you are the asset to your farm. If you're not doing well, uh, nothing is going well. Again, as I mentioned earlier at the beginning of the broadcast, check us out, agrihealth.net. Uh, we want to encourage you to help you any way we can. If you got any questions about, hey, staying uh, in shape, staying fit, maybe some spiritual questions about a relationship with Christ, hey, email me here at archie at agrihealth.net. Be glad to help you, uh, get you pointed in the right direction. Hey, we plan to be back next week, same time, same place. Uh, thank you for listening to us. Until then, uh, keep farming and keep the faith. We'll see you later. You've been listening to That Farm Life Podcast, planting hope, harvesting strength with your host, Archie Mason. That Farm Life Podcast is a creation of the Agri-Health Network in conjunction with Grounded Faith Ministries, where we offer opportunities to help you deal with the stress and strains of farm life through faith, family, and community with other farmers. You can learn more about who we are and what we do on our website at agrihealth.net. That's agrihealth, one word, dot net. Thanks for listening, and until next week, keep the faith.